Hi, Yana. How are you? Hi, good. Good, thanks. How are you doing? Doing well. So, my goodness. So, let's just talk about what happened today at the Board of Education meeting. Yeah, it was a really interesting day. Um, Despite uh, Mayor Lightfoot being firmly against removing police officers from schools and school leadership being against that, two board members put forward a motion uh, calling for the termination of a contract between the Chicago Police Department and Chicago Public Schools. And then in a really unusually close vote, um, the measure failed. Mm-hmm. And the vote was basically, it was four to three? Yeah, it was it was really, really close. Four to three. And um, the, the big thing to understand is that actually this is not the last time that board members are going to have a chance to vote on this uh, okay. because the contract is actually up for renewal this summer. So either in July or August again, the question will um, the question will come up before the board for a second time. Okay, so can you explain then, Yana, how it even came up this time around? Like, how did this um, come before the board? This motion? Yeah, definitely. So, um, as the um, as the protest against the killing of George Floyd in Minneapolis grew, um, the school board. Uh, oh, sorry. Yeah, the school board in Minneapolis decided that they wanted to sever their relationship with school police. Um, so they went ahead and voted. It's an elected school board there. So they went ahead and voted and um, ended, ended that contract. And so that kind of started and pushed for, um, sort of set the tone for a lot of other cities where organizers have been saying that they want police out of schools for a long time. In Chicago, I'd say that call has been around longer than a decade, but there hasn't really been any traction. But suddenly, um, amidst these massive protests, they were like, maybe this is a way to get this done. So in Chicago, organizing started ramping up around that. Uh, People were um, holding rallies, like, on the same day, there'd be one on the north side and one on the south side, led by young people, a lot of them former CPS students. And then in response to some of that, two board members um, decided to put forward the motion because um, because the boards originally signed the contract. They kind of had some of the final authority to make that decision. And can you tell us a little bit about the board? Can you tell us a little bit about the members? Um, do you know anything a little bit about their background, the ones that voted for it and the ones that voted against it? Yeah, definitely. Um, so this is an interesting board. Um, it has more people who kind of have backgrounds as teachers, a lot of them are CPS parents than the average school boards do. So when um, Mayor Lightfoot appointed the board, it was kind of, um, she was someone who ran as a progressive. So this was sort of a move to say, here are these folks who are actually kind of connected to real community issues in Chicago. Um, that said, uh, for the most part, they voted in favor or kind of in line with what the district has put forward, even on controversial school proposals. So when the contract was first put forward last August, most of them voted in um, most of them voted in favor, except for Elizabeth Todd Breland, who is a longtime education professor at UIC and also a CPS parent. So she put forward the motion today with Amy Rome, who is a former principal at National Teachers Academy, which is a school in the South Loop, um, and herself was a teacher. And then other folks whose names have been around the education world, Miguel Del Valle, former state senator, who mm-hmm. um, also mayoral candidate. He's the board president. Senhill Revoluri is um, he's like a, a businessman and um, also a CPS parent. 
Um, Louisiana Melendez, she is someone who is well-known in the early education space, um, also I believe a CPS parent. Dwayne Trust was an activist on the West Side, also himself a CPS parent. And then Luciano Sotelo is a businessman and also himself a CPS parent. So there are folks who have personal connections to um to the district. And you said that with the Chicago School Board, it's appointed by the mayor, and that's not necessarily the case in a lot of other big districts. Um, So, like, how long do they get to stay on the board? Like, how long is their term? Um, That's a good question. I believe that their term is four years, but I should should check that again. Oh, no, it's okay if you don't know that off the top. Yeah, I was kind of asking. I was only asking because are they, so they feel independent to, to kind of go against what the mayor's stance might be. Yeah, I mean, I think traditionally the Chicago, um, Chicago is a mayoral controlled district and the board has not been seen as being very independent. Um, this board has had a lot more uh, kind of open discussion about measures that have come up. Sometimes they even ask critical questions. They've put forward um, efforts, for example, to review the school rating policy that's been controversial for a while. So I think mm-hmm. they've definitely acted more independently. That hasn't really come out in their votes, however, uh, for the most part they've still voted in favor of everything that the school board puts forward. So I I would say that this is um, a, I think, a break from their usual, um, from their usual votes that are more in line with what the mayor and school leadership Mm -hmm. see as the future of the district. We're uh, talking with reporter Yana Kunishoff. She is with Chalk Beat Chicago. And a lot of players in this discussion about police and this contract that they have with CPS. Um, there's the mayor. There's, of course, the uh, CEO, Janice Jackson. Um, and there's the Chicago Board of Education president that you mentioned. And then, of course, the union as well. Um, has, you know, has the mayor's stance changed throughout, like, before she became mayor? Like, was her stance different when she was campaigning? Yeah, so um, the mayor, when she was campaigning, she did say in response to um, a transition committee report that said that schools should move away from punitive punitive discipline, which includes police and schools to a more restorative restorative approach. And the mayor said that that was something that she agreed with, and that was in line with the way that she was thinking about discipline. And um, from the quotes I've seen, that reads as her saying that she is in favor of removing police from schools or at least lessening uh, school, the engagement of police officers in schools. So one of the voices that recently jumped into this debate were actually some members of her transition committee who said, hey, wait a minute. And they wrote a letter to the board today saying, wait a minute, we want you to um, we want you to stand behind this thing that you said during your campaign and that we as your transition committee put forward as the best approach to um, to policing around schools. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, too, um, there was a. Uh Of course, there was the march. uh, It was hundreds of people that marched for around three hours in the loop. And then there were also activists and families that were outside the Chicago Board um, of Education president's house as well. And and what, what, what did he say went behind his thinking of voting against it? Yeah, Miguel Del Valle said that he was, um, he actually spoke really personally, much more personally than I've heard in other meetings and spoke oh. about an incident that he experienced when he was in eighth grade. Um, 
gang members at a school beat him up in the basement of a school. Um, and just that kind of the psychological weight of that feeling of a lack of safety. Um, mm. and, and I would say the real split here was that all the board members who voted against terminating the contract, you know, they all said essentially they understood some of the concerns about the disparate racial impacts of school police. You know, there's a lot lot of documentation of these these figures, um, but that they felt if there was any level of safety in areas dealing with violence um, that school police could offer, it was worth having having them as an option. So that's really what Miguel Del Valle um, mm-hmm. kind of kind of said. Yana, for you, was there any surprises? I mean, were you surprised at how close it was, or were you surprised that maybe somebody had a stance that you didn't expect? Um, I was definitely surprised at how close it was. I think um, I would say that this is a really interesting moment. There's, as you said, there's so many different actors, and I think um, without the youth activists, I think without the Chicago Teachers Union also putting some of the muscle behind that, those youth activists, I think without board members that were willing to um, kind of come out publicly against the position of the mayor and school leadership, the first thing on Monday, there was actually a press conference um, with school CEO Janice Jackson, where she said that it's it's reckless to think about taking officers out of schools. I think um, without this bigger backdrop of the pandemic and the protests, I don't know if those forces would really move that way. Um, Fascinating. Okay, I want you to hold that thought. Yeah, hold that thought because we want to talk more about this. And uh, we also want to talk about sort of uh, the arguments on both sides and want you to talk about the school to prison pipeline that we've been hearing a lot about and just sort of, um, yeah, definitely how this is unique to what's happening right now um, in America. So uh, a lot more with reporter Yana Kunishoff. She's with Chalkbeat Chicago. And we're going to be continuing our discussion with her about... uh, Police in CPS. Hundreds marched today for three hours uh, in the loop calling for the Chicago police officers to be removed from CPS. But uh, the Chicago board decided that they would actually um, vote against uh, the motion. And here to explain more about what happened today is Yana Kunishoff. She's a reporter for Chalkbeat Chicago. In fact, she's award-winning. She won the March 2016 Sydney Hillman Award for an inv- investigation. And um, she's written for The Guardian, The Atlantic, and Chicago Magazine, among many others. So Yana, we're so happy that you're with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, so I kind of uh, caught you off, uh, cut you off there in the middle of a thought. And you were talking about how this is just unique circumstances that makes it kind of ripe for this discussion to sort of um, move forward in this way. Yeah, exactly. I think that um, what I the, the point that I think is important to know right now is that this isn't a new demand. This isn't a new concern that we've seen. Um, but I think without some of the both global and local dynamics, we wouldn't be seeing this issue come up for a vote in um, in Chicago's appointed board of election board. Sorry, board of education. So this debate's been around for some time. I think you even mentioned that it's been um, discussed here in the Chicago area for more than a decade. And but if it is something new that uh, a parent or um, you know a grandparent hasn't ever thought about, what are the arguments on both sides here? Yeah, definitely. Um, So just a little bit of history is that um, Mayor Daley in the 2000s, uh, early 2000s, 
brought uh, police into Chicago schools at the same time as he brought in um, actually metal detectors. And it was the metal detectors that were a lot more controversial. And this happened after a school shooting at Tilden. And he kind of came before the city council and said, this is it. We need change in schools. And that's when there was already um, kind of a youth division of the Chicago Police mm-hmm. Department. And then they started stationing officers in schools. Um, so there, that's, that was kind of the birth of some of that program. And I think those people who have been in favor of um, people who I think were originally in favor of school police, it was kind of a response to issues of violence, um, gang violence, youth violence, just kind of broad issues in Chicago. I think some of that has changed nowadays. A lot of people who have good experiences with officers, it's because the officers who serve in their schools are also the captain of the swim team, the captain of the wrestler, mm-hmm. the head of the wrestling team. And um, they're adults. Yeah, they're, they're adults who I think play sort of a many faceted role. So there's sort of this complicated element where they're there to solve a real social problem. And then also as people in a school community, um, some officers I've talked to have served in the same school for 10 years, 15 years, they're seen as um, kind of play an important role there. The, the folks who are against police in school say that having any law enforcement in a learning environment makes it a lot more likely that when an issue does come up, um, I think a lot of educators that I speak to say, especially for like teenagers in high school, it's kind of inevitable that there's conflict or students are upset. It's a lot more likely, um, and the research the research agrees with this, it's a lot more likely that those students are going to end up in the school-to-prison pipeline or facing a more punitive response than if, say, they were sent to a counselor or they were told to you know, cool off in a room by themselves. Um, so that that's really the concern. And then the data in Chicago in particular shows um, that of school police incidents, overall they're dropping in CPS, but those numbers are still show that, for example, for black students, I believe they're 35% of the district, but let me mm-hmm. have this up a second ago, but they're actually 65% of incidents from 2011 to 2017 of um of incidents with police. So that's like mm-hmm. a really large disparity. Um, and it's a, big, it's a big concern for a lot of advocates. So you're saying that there's an incident, um, a police officer that's assigned to the school is um, called for, and then maybe instead of the student being sent to a guidance counselor or to um, a nurse or dealt with in a different manner, they could be arrested right there on campus. Yeah, exactly. And I think there's two things that play into that. I think one of those is that in a lot of Chicago schools, especially in a district that's sort of chronically underfunded, Mm -hmm. sometimes there isn't going to be a nurse or there's a counselor two days a week. And on that third day, um, the person who's going to be there is an officer who's in a school full time. So there's sort of the reality that in some schools, an officer might be a more regular presence than a social worker or more available than a social worker. Um, I think the other reality is that for a long time, officers who served in Chicago schools didn't really receive any special training. So they were essentially um, policing schools as they would work on the street, which means Mm -hmm. that, um, you know, you're going to not necessarily go towards a conflict resolution approach. You know, you might be more aggressive, just all all these concerns that people have about policing on the street, but then brought into an education environment. Um, that's surprising. So I, I think those, those are two dynamics, yeah. Yeah, that's surprising because um, I was going to ask you in terms of just sort of with the police officers placed at schools, is there a special selection? Is there special training? Because you're dealing with, um, you know, 
human beings that aren't of age, they're not um, 18 years old yet, they're not considered uh, legal adults. And also, you guys at Chalkbeat did an interesting analysis about police officers serving in Chicago schools, and that kind of lends to the data that you have too, right? Yeah, so um, there's been a big change in how officers operate in schools, Mm -hmm. really just this school year. So for the police killing of Laquan McDonald, Chicago... um, Oh, yeah, the has now consent has a federal degree. consent degree. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. So the consent degree had a lot of information about how school policing should change. And some of that was school officers have to have job descriptions. School officers have to have special training. Um, they also have to be removed from any discipline unless it could be like a potentially criminal act. So they were removed from most school discipline. So now there's much tighter um, and kind of clearer clear guidelines for Mm -hmm. what school officers are doing. But that's really only this year. And then a lot of parents, a lot of teachers I've spoken to, those changes haven't really trickled down to them. So maybe they didn't know about them or maybe Mm, that, like, the environment still hasn't changed in their school. So it's it's a big district, so it gets complicated. So to be fair, because those um, changes were sort of implemented only this year, the full data from this year really isn't in, especially with the disrupted school year, too, I imagine. So you're still kind of waiting on that. Freedom of Information Act requests out. Some of the data that J.D. Chow, who heads the district's Office of Safety and Security, showed that police incidents were going down for this school year. Um, But I haven't independently had a Mm -hmm. chance to look at what some of that uh, has looked like day to day. Okay, so Yana, to wrap up, of course, you said that this isn't the end of this debate, that basically the board is going to have to vote again in July or August, because that's when the $33 million police contract is up and needs to be renewed. Um, In terms of where everybody stands, it seems like the CEO of CPS, Janice Jackson, she's saying, you know, she wants individual school councils to decide. Mm -hmm. So in terms of um, the union and activists, what do they want? Obviously, they want to divert some of this money that's being spent on this contract for more full-time guidance counselors and nurses. But what sort of alternative for security do they want? Yeah, I think that what is useful to remember is that there is a security system in Chicago public schools, and it really doesn't come up a lot, but there are security guards that are trained um, and hired and trained by Chicago public schools. Um, Some of them also have backgrounds as police officers. So there is a security system that demands um, metal detectors in schools or sign-in. So I would say that um, it's not an all or nothing. I, I also think one thing that has been interesting is a lot of the youth activists have sort of try to expand the definition of what security means. Mm -hmm. Um, So to them, it doesn't just mean a security guard. Maybe it means someone who can help them resolve a conflict at home, like a counselor or a restorative justice process that allows them to to work through an issue with someone. So Mm -hmm. I think that what they're asked, what those groups are asking for is um, money towards some of those approaches. And there's kind of a whole, a whole bunch of them, and they want schools to be able to choose uh, what works best for them. Yeah, so more of a holistic sense of security. And in terms of restorative justice, I know that's a term that we hear a lot out there, but so what would that look like? Would that be like an arbiter kind of? Yeah, I think in some places it looks like peace circles. So when there's a conflict, both sides agree they would sit down and talk it out with like a third person there. Um, I think it can mean 
um, other ways of, you know, if a student gets into a conflict with a teacher that they don't immediately go towards punishment and maybe have some other sort of agreement to work that out. Um, there's a group called Alternatives that does some of this in schools, but that also, you know, hiring hiring folks and having them there and training them definitely takes resources. And I know some schools feel like they haven't always had the support to properly do restorative justice. Um, but one, one thing that actually came out of the teachers union contract is I think 30 schools, maybe they just came into 15 this year, but mm-hmm. um, there's a handful of schools that have recently gotten new restorative justice counselors as part of an increased staffing that was won in the teachers union contract. Okay, so I guess um, we wait. We wait until uh, July or August, right? Yeah, it's actually actually pretty soon, and the young organizers I've talked to are still planning to build some of that momentum. At the same time, um, I think the mayor and school leadership are really firm that they think this should be a local school council decision. So we'll, we'll see what shifts. We're going to see. And of course, uh, you'll be there right uh, at the, you know, you'll be right there in on the ground covering this. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we appreciate it. I can tell just how much passion you have for it and just how much you, uh, you your knowledge is just inside and out. You know it all. So thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for chatting.